Hello, everybody, and welcome to Monmouth College Conversations. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and every week during the academic year, I sit down with members of the Monmouth College community to talk to them about their interests, what they do, and the things they've done. In this third edition of Monmouth College Conversations, I visit with one of Monmouth's outstanding faculty members, Vanessa Campagna. Vanessa is a theater professor. She's chair of the excellent theater department, and she's also an associate dean at the college. For this episode, Vanessa will preview the 2022-2023 theater season at Monmouth College, and it promises to be another great season of Monmouth Theater. Vanessa will also tell us how she caught the theater bug at a young age, and she'll tell us about some of her favorite plays. Vanessa Campagna has had the theater bug since she was in the third grade, and she's been a member of the Monmouth College community since the start of the 2014-15 school year. She wasted little time making her mark on the Monmouth community as an outstanding professor, a very creative director, and a campus leader. For this 2022-2023 theater season, and it begins with Romeo and Juliet on October 7, Monmouth will produce four very different plays. To read more about this season's plays, check out the department's homepage and point your browser to monmouthcollege.edu slash theater, and that's theater spelled R-E. Vanessa says this year's four Monmouth productions will showcase the department's rich talents in a number of ways. Season, three of them straight plays, the fourth production actually a musical, uh, which is standard for us at this point. Three plays, one musical. Uh, nice breadth in these works. We'll open with Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet, adapted by Professor Todd Quick, who's also at the helm of that production as director. Then we will move into a very early 20th century play, Proof, by David Auburn. It did win the Pulitzer, so a really, really great piece there. Lots to think about in terms of the arts intersecting with a play all about mathematical proofs, and there's some interesting gender things happening there, as well as some interesting psychological dynamics in that play. We'll go away for winter break. We'll come back, and Doug Rankin will direct a production of George Bernard Shaw's Candida. And that will be in a new theater space on the first floor of the HT building. It's being reconfigured and outfitted as we speak as the new acting studio and black box performance space. And then we will move back to the Wells for our April production of The Little Mermaid, a co-production with the Buchanan Center for the Arts. So that'll be a huge cast, probably somewhere around 40 or 50, and I'm excited for that, uh, ages 10 and upwards to no limit. And that'll be a really, really large-scale production, um, big-time musical, all the bells and whistles. Can someone see or produce or be involved with Romeo and Juliet too many times. It just seems like one of those plays that uh, no matter how many times you see it, no matter how many times you read it, you, you take something new from it. And, you know, to me, it's a great thing to open the season October 7 through 9 with Romeo and Juliet. That's a great question. Actually, the answer's twofold. 
can you do it too many times? Well, if you look at Monmouth College Department of Theater's production history, um, the answer is no, because it's our first time doing it, actually. That's kind of unbelievable um, that with such a long history of theater at Monmouth College, Romeo and Juliet has never made it on the stage. Um, so this is the first time, and we'll see if it makes its way into the rotation again uh, in the decades ahead for us. For Todd Quick, uh, the answer is no. I believe this is his seventh time working on Romeo and Juliet, his first time directing, though he's acted in a number of productions. So I know he's taking some uh, interesting new approaches in his adaptation. Um, we're blending the Renaissance with contemporary aesthetics, so should be really dynamic. Second play of the year, which will be in November 18th to the 20th, is David Auburn's Proof, winner of the Pulitzer Prize and I believe a Tony Award as well. Uh, it's, a, as you mentioned, a very interesting play. It's very thought-provoking. It's very haunting in a lot of ways as well. Absolutely. Um, I'm not going to speak much about the haunting because we want to leave audiences with a little bit of surprise there. But it's been great. This uh play is coming out of the principles of directing class, and I'm teaching that in conjunction with Todd. Uh, he'll take over in the second eight weeks of this semester. And right now we're just deeply investigating this play. Students are re-engaging their script analysis skills from a previous class, really mining the text to see what's going on. And we're wrestling with some big questions about life and identity and the pursuit of truth and what truths are we willing to accept and you know don't don't try to prove something if you're not willing to accept it to be true and that can be um, external and internal truths in the spring opens up the february 24th to 26th with a george bernard shaw play uh i believe when that came to america in the early 20th century created all sort of buzz uh, george bernard shaw used to be I guess in a lot of ways, maybe the Shakespeare of his time. He was so popular. Um, where, where's Shaw these days? Do do we see a lot of Shaw being produced? Is it is it common for people to see a George Bernard uh, Shaw play? No, it is not common. Shaw was writing in the late 19th century. And so when you are producing works from that period, particularly at the undergraduate level, you end up seeing a lot of Henrik Ibsen. Uh, those who have followed Monmouth College Theater, you know that we did Enemy of the People just a few years ago. Or you see Anton Chekhov. Uh, spoiler alert, I really want to direct a Chekhov play in the 23-24 season, uh, titled To Be Announced. Or you'll see an August Strindberg work. Those are kind of um, our big guys from um, the Victorian era. So Shaw is challenging. Shaw uh, is, you're right, to draw a comparison to Shakespeare, particularly in the fact that Shaw is a very text-dense playwright. Um, Shakespeare, a master of the English language, arguably. Shaw very similar in the regard that the text really has a lot of primacy in the play world. And so it'll be a great challenge for our students to deal with a truly, truly realistic play that's language dense. And as you mentioned earlier, it's going to be produced in the HT, which a new place for the purpose for the HT. It served as a science building here at the college until the early teens of this century, and now it's going to be the home to a theater production. 
We're extremely grateful for that. Um, we knew that moving out of the fusion theater was the right move for the institution and for our pedagogical purposes. Um, we did need to find a second space, so we're really grateful um, to the administration and the facilities crew for coming together and making this new space happen for us. Um, HT is actually quite important to our department now. We've got all of our scenic storage there, we've got our prop storage there, and now we're moving into um, this black box space. As I mentioned, Doug will be directing Canada. I think he's leaning toward an audience in the round. Um, Canada lends itself to that style of presentation. So we're excited to see just how flexible we can make that new space. And then you end up the season with The Little Mermaid. Who couldn't possibly like The Little Mermaid? It's going to have four productions on April 20th through the 23rd. What a great way to conclude the season. Absolutely. We obviously needed to take a break from having community members on campus during the COVID crisis. And then last year when this partnership picked back up, we were on the holiday show rotation. So we were thrilled to have the community members back on stage in A Christmas Carol. And now we are in a musical year. Uh, the Little Mermaid, I think the adaptation to the stage is really interesting. Um, the poetic justice that we see in the way the plot wraps up in the movie isn't quite as neatly tied up in the musical. So I think there are some really interesting things about the plot structure there and how things resolve between Ariel and Ursula. Um, some new music was written for the musical. I think it's quite wonderful. Uh, Scuttle in particular has some really funny new music. There will be tap dancing in the show. Um, and then of course we have the Caribbean elements to numbers like Under the Sea. So I think uh, there's just a little something for everybody in The Little Mermaid. So although we're targeting the community and family friendly audiences in that regard, um, all good children's theater, all good musical theater has the jokes for the adults and has the compelling elements that I really believe can bring anybody into a story. You know, that's a really interesting point. I'd never thought about that before, but saying that a good children's show also has material in it that adults can relate to. Absolutely, because young people don't come to the theater by themselves for all of the obvious reasons. So they're either coming with a parent or guardian or their teachers are bringing them on a field trip. So if you're doing children's theater, you've got adults in your audience too. And if you want them to come back again, bringing children with them for more and more and more theater, and of course we want that, we think the arts are necessary for young people as they develop, then something in that production has to give a nod to to the adults in the crowd. So, you know, there are innuendos and uh, wit that a younger audience member wouldn't pick up on. I'm having a conversation with Mammoth Theater professor Vanessa Campagna. Let's take a quick break, then we'll return to our conversation. Don't forget to read more about this season's plays at Mammoth College. You can do that by checking out the department's homepage. Their URL is monmouthcollege.edu slash theater, and that's theater spelled R-E. Also, be sure to follow the theater department on Instagram. You can follow them at monmouththeater, and again, that's theater spelled R-E. They do a great job posting photos, especially leading up to their productions. Now let's return to my conversation with Monmouth College theater professor 
Vanessa Campagna. Vanessa, you came to Monmouth College in the fall of 2014, right out of your doctoral program at the University of Missouri. How did you uh, hear about Monmouth College? What attracted you to the college? I was attracted because a very good friend of mine, Emily Raleigh, whom I had met in our doctoral programs, was on faculty here in the theater department. And Dr. Bill Wallace, who was in my line, uh, had announced his retirement, and they opened up for a one-year visiting assistant professor, and uh, they wanted to curate a good candidate pool. And my friend Emily said, I think that you might be a really good fit for this. We'd like to see your application. I threw my name in the hat. So that first year, 2014, 2015, was pretty wild because uh, I was ABD. So here I am in my first full-time faculty job, also writing the final two chapters of my dissertation and on the job market, not really knowing if this Monmouth thing would materialize to something more. I did apply for the tenure track position and I was very grateful indeed to be able to stay on. And here we are, year nine. So I guess it's worked out. You enjoy teaching here? Absolutely. I believe, if memory serves me correctly, the ad for the permanent position launched in early October of 2014. And I knew immediately I wanted to stay here. I loved the energy, um, knowing Emily as a colleague. Certainly it was an initial factor that attracted me to the institution, but I quickly just knew that Doug and I could work together beautifully and here we are still working together beautifully so that instinct was there and i really liked the monmouth students they were so eager they were so curious that is what really attracts me you know um, are the students who want to know more who are hungry for you to give them everything that you possibly can and that's who i am as an educator and an artist is there's nothing I hold back. I just throw it all at you. And the Monmouth students seemed open to that type of challenge and that approach. And it's been wonderful. How did you get involved in theater in the first place? When did you sort of catch the quote unquote theater bug? I was young. Uh, third grade is when I would say I caught the bug. It's interesting because both of my parents are conservatory trained musicians. So I was studying piano, I was studying cello. And uh, we went to community theater. We went to professional theater. In second grade, I had the great privilege of seeing Phantom of the Opera on tour, Sarah Brightman, this very highbrow musical theater. And I liked it, but I didn't love it. Then the following summer, we went to see a production of Once Upon a Mattress at local community theater. A woman from my church was playing Princess Winifred, and she was so funny on stage, Duane, that I started walking around my house playing Princess Winifred, and I knew I want to do this. The following summer, I auditioned for the same company. I nailed the singing audition. I was not coordinated one bit. I believe there's a real difference between talent and skill, and dance is a skill for me. I did not make it into the show. My younger sister did. <laughs> Shout out to my sister, Gina. She made it. I did not. So I had to sit through the show that summer watching her. And interestingly, jealousy is not what I felt. I just felt this incredible motivation. I have to learn how to dance. So I begged for dance lessons and 
I worked really hard. And the next year I got in and I've never looked back. So you've been in a great deal of productions yourself. Is there a role that you've enjoyed the most? What's your favorite role that you've played on the stage? Uh, I'll break that down between musical theater and straight plays. Musical theater, I would say Peter Pan. Um, anybody that knows me knows I'm a very short, petite person. <laughs> I, I cut my hair off and I am a, a athletic by nature. So that role just really, I believe I was destined to play it. And soon I'll be um, moving toward aging out of that role. So <laughs> frankly, I'd actually like to play it again before that point. But, you know, Kathy Rigby was playing Peter Pan when she was well into her 50s. So you never know. And in terms of straight plays, Bertolt Brecht is by no means my favorite playwright. And students that have sat in my theater history class know I have a lot of opinions about Bertolt Brecht. But I do really like his play, The Good Woman of Szechuan. And in my undergraduate experience, I was able to play the good woman, Shente, her alter ego, Shuida. And I learned a ton. I think that was the first time where the liberal arts training that I was receiving in my undergrad really impacted my acting in a profound way because I needed uh, to understand um, Chinese culture uh, in the early 20th century. I needed to understand economic systems beyond my own. I needed to understand religious systems beyond my own. And, you know, Brecht is a, a huge Marxist, so he has Marxist underpinnings in all of his works. And I had to research, research, research. And I loved that. And I would say that I had a breakthrough as a performer um, because my brain was activated in a process in a way that it had never been before. And that absolutely has impacted the way I work as an artist. Do you have, and this is probably an unfair question, but do you have a favorite play that, that, that you've either produced or, or maybe even want to produce sometime? It's a play that just sticks out if somebody would ask you to recommend a great play to read what would you recommend well that's an awesome question I don't have favorites I love all of them and one of my great regrets in life is that I will die not having read every wonderful play that is out there I, t I tell the students that I lament that so deeply that I will die not having read every great play that's out there I would love to direct Mark Rosofsky's Strider. It's a stage adaptation of a Leo Tolstoy novel by the same name. I'm really attracted to movement-based works. It's so funny that this young child who was uncoordinated, couldn't dance at all, now is a dancer and heavily drawn to movement work. But the characters are horses. And so I really love that um, from a movement perspective and also from a costume design perspective. I would tell anybody to read Edmond Rostand's Cyrano de Bergerac, a neo-romantic play, uh, late 19th century France. It's so wonderful. It's so poetic. There was recently uh, a film, loose film adaptation surrounding Cyrano. Um, that play, if you want a good read, sweeping, romantic, um, I would urge for that one. Um, and Peer Gint is a work that I think is really, really challenging. And when I have the right student male actor come through this program, I will produce and direct Peer Gint for sure, Epic Journey. What do you like so much about the theater program here at, at Monmouth? What do you think its strengths are? 
There are so many strengths. I'm very proud to work here. The department's actually moving through an external review right now, and I'm spearheading that and just writing our narrative about our history and the evolution within the last seven years and thinking forward and having our strategic plan as a department. I am truly so proud of who we are, what we do, and where we're going. And for me, the experience that we provide students time and again is at the top of that list. Um, Like our colleagues across campus, we work tirelessly for the students. And theater requires late nights. Um, A lot of schools our size are not doing four main stage full-length works a year. We want our students to come out of here with a minimum of 16 resume credits if they're a major. We are committed to that career preparedness. And we know that we have the time and the resources and the energy and the heart to pour into every single one of our students. And we take them wherever they are on day one. And we are able to nurture their talents. We are able to provide them with skill. And that makes me take pride in the work that we're doing. It makes me feel like we're ethically grounded in our practice. And I know that our students, if they readily commit to this process, um, they're not going to be a starving artist. In fact, I, I push back wholeheartedly on the notion of a starving artist. I guess if we learned anything from the pandemic, it was that we miss live performing arts and especially the theater the most. Um, what sort of lessons from that have you taken away in terms of the pandemic and what what it taught us about the importance of live theater? The most rudimentary definition of theater is you must have one actor, you must have one audience member, and they are coming together at an appointed time in an appointed place for the intent of art. Zoom is a place, and we can meet there at an appointed time. But there is something about being in the theater where you are watching the actor's body work, where you are watching the actor sweat, where you are watching them move, where you are watching the audience lean forward in their seat, move back in their seat. You can watch them have this visceral response to the live action in front of them and you just don't get that when there's a screen in the way and I enjoy uh, quality film and quality television programming I'm thankful for them Um, in many ways they create points of access that theater can't but to me that we are breathing the same air that is so profound and it's so powerful that's Monmouth theater department professor and chair Vanessa Campagna. Once again, to read more about this season's play at Monmouth College, check out the department's homepage, and that address is monmouthcollege.edu slash theater, and that's theater spelled R-E. And that's going to be a wrap on this third episode of Monmouth College Conversations. I hope you've enjoyed this program. You can tell us what you think or add to the conversation by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be 
be sure to put conversation in the subject line. Until our next conversation, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody, and have a nice day.